This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Even as Paul says, hey, I know where you were, and as he goes on into Ephesians, particularly in chapter 2, he says, I know where you were. Oh, but God. And beloved, it's the but gods throughout Scripture that gives every one of us hope. And it ought to give us an excitement. It ought to give us that encouragement to be able to live our lives for His glory even now. He is working His plan out. And He's allowed us to be partakers of that heavenly calling. And we need to recognize that and we need to walk in it. If you're a believer in the Lord, then He's given you spiritual wings. His desire is that we would live our lives with abandon, reaching out to others and jumping wholeheartedly into following His plans for us. The Lord is always working out His plans toward His glory, and we're all a part of that. His intention is not for us to sit on the sidelines, cheering on others as they do the work of the Lord. Experience the fullness of God's powerful leading in your life. Get out there. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, for the conclusion of our message entitled, The Faith Zone this full circle that comes all the way from sin in the garden to now the offering of redemption, from rebellion, even with the people of Israel, to the final obedience of coming to saving knowledge in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Suddenly, for the believing Jew, all of that ceremony, all of that ritual that had gone through generation and generation, suddenly starts to make sense. Suddenly they can see the sacrificial system and see how it now points to the reality of the Messiah, the suffering servant that came for them. They began to see, as Paul says a little bit later here in Ephesians dealing with the the Gentile believers, they began to, again, have their eyes open to understanding, to be able to really see what God was working. But that's what brings us to verse 13. Again, verse 3 through 12 Paul had the Jew in mind. Now Paul brings the Gentile believer into the picture. And he moves from speaking of the we as Jewish believers to now you also as the Gentile believers. Verse 13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. These Gentile believers, were, they were pagan by, by origin. That's all that they knew. They did not know the God of Israel. They did not know Jehovah God. They were involved in all the pagan ceremony that was around them. They didn't have the covenants. They didn't have the giving of the law. They didn't have service to God. They didn't have the promises. But now God is revealing Himself through the message of the Gospel. This hope in the Gospel is delivered to the Gentiles. Paul wrote to the church of Colossians in Colossians chapter 1. Again, speaking to Gentile believers, he says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. The hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. That's why Paul tells the Ephesian church, you heard the gospel message, and then in him you trusted. And now, as he says in verse 13, now having believed, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance. The Holy Spirit of promise. 
This is the word that, that comes actually from the very mouth of Jesus. When Jesus, after his death, burial, uh, and resurrection, was ready to ascend to the Father, he told the disciples to wait. Wait in Jerusalem to tarry until you receive that promise of the Father. And that was the coming of the Holy Spirit. He recaps it in, in Acts chapter 1. Again, kind of the same story, but again, speaking the same thing. In Acts chapter 1, Luke writes in verse 4 that being assembled together with him, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, this isn't a teaching on the Holy Spirit or necessarily even on Pentecost, but one of the things I want you to understand that when the day of Pentecost came, and the Holy Spirit came upon those 120 or so believers in the upper room as they prayed and sought the Lord for what Jesus had promised them would come upon them. And the Holy Spirit came down, and we can read all about that in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. We can see and understand that there was a mighty move of God in the lives of these believers. But as believers, there was also one other thing that all of these people had in common. Do you know what it was? They were all Jews. They were all Jewish believers. Now, if there was a Gentile, he would have had to convert to be a Jew before he was probably even in that group. So they were Jewish believers that the Lord, again, brought the Holy Spirit to and worked and moved in their lives. We look at that story, you think, well, so what's the point about that with what we're dealing with here in Ephesians? A little bit later in the book of Acts, as the gospel continued to spread, guess what? Gentiles started hearing the gospel message. And they started believing in this Christ. But they weren't Jews. And yet at the same time we read in the book of Acts how the Holy Spirit came upon them also. Now the Jews had this really big problem. Because you see, they weren't like us, and yet God was moving in their lives the same way He's moving in ours. And for the Jew, again, you've got to understand that it's a huge, huge problem. Because they were the elect people, they were the chosen people, and God only moves in our lives. You want God to move in your life? Then you've got to become like me. You've got to become a Jew, and then God can move in your life. And that was a huge, huge battle in the early church. As a matter of fact, Acts chapter 15 speaks about that battle, where the Jewish believers weren't willing to accept the Gentile believers unless they became like them, unless they, again, submitted themselves not only to circumcision, but also to the other ceremonies of being a Jew. And the great discussion that came about in the leadership of that church at that time, Acts 15 tells us that finally they came to the point, I believe it was James, that said, you know what, why are we burdening them with rules and regulations that we ourselves can't even keep? It's evident that God is moving and working in their lives. Let's just bless them and let the Lord continue to work and move. So they did. They blessed them, and so continued this work of God moving in the Gentiles as well as the Jews. So now we come back here to Ephesians. And we read there in verse 13, of the last part, where he says, And having believed you, as a Gentile, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And he is the guarantee of our inheritance. 
he reaffirms this whole issue again in, in 2 Corinthians where he tells us that God has sealed us and he's given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You see, now both Jew and Gentile have the Holy Spirit within their life as a seal, as a guarantee of the inheritance that is theirs in Christ. That there is a great, again, a great abounding hope now because of what God is doing. This whole concept of sealing, it comes from the idea of setting a seal to not only to prevent opening, but it's also used to denote that it's genuine, that it's authentic, that it's confirmed, that it's approved. We saw and see this in documents that were done at those times. You know how a, a king or a uh, some kind of important person would have a signet ring and they would seal the document with uh, wax on it again to show that it was official. That's the idea, that's the thought. Uh, again, it, it, it made it sure, it made it confirmed, it made it established for them. The Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers, not only is there this seal of authenticity of what God is doing because of the Holy Spirit, but He's also the guarantee in our lives as believers. And this guarantee is the down payment, it's the earnest money. You understand too, it's, it's the engagement rate, okay, that God has given to us as, as, as Christ is our groom and we as the bride of Christ. And that's for every believer. It's regardless of background. God seals us with His seal, and then He guarantees that with, again, still the Holy Spirit, there's that guarantee of the inheritance that awaits us, that's placed within us, this, this dowry, again, of His commitment, His pledge of that relationship. It's all established as a guarantee for us. But right now, you know what? You and I, we wait in hope. We wait in, in, in faith. We, we need to live by faith in our present situation because, you know what, for you and I right now, we say, yes, we have the seal of the Holy Spirit and we believe that and we experience the reality of God in our lives. We can read the Word, we can trust in that. But let's face it, the reality of our faith, the reality of our experience in God is based in hope. It's based in faith. It's not completed yet we still have to live our lives in a fullness of hope and growing in hope and growing in faith we need to have the heart of, of the psalmist even as Brian read in Psalm 27 and verse 13 he says I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, Paul tells us here in Ephesians that the Holy Spirit, our seal, our earnest money, He is given until the redemption of the purchased possession. Church, that day is coming. That, that day of redemption is coming. We have the hope. We have the promise. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit. But it's not complete right now. The completion of that work of redemption is coming. I believe that it's coming soon, but it's not yet. And please, I understand, I know, that when Christ hung on the cross, and then He declared those words, it is finished, that redemption was done, it was complete, it was purchased for us. And there's no work that we do to, to solidify it. No, it is a complete thing. But you see, in our realm, although we're sealed, it's still a work in progress. 
Some have put it this way, that we are saved. When we come by faith to Christ, that we are saved at that moment. We are sealed with that seal of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit comes in as that guarantee for us. So whether that was ten years ago or, or, or ten days ago, that sealing takes place when we come by faith to receive Christ. But the fact is, is the Word also says that we are being saved on a continual basis. It is a process also that works within us. And beloved, the Word also tells us that one day we will be saved. So we are saved, but we are in the process of it, and the completion of it comes when well, we can throw off this mortal and put on immortality. We can throw off this corruptible and put on incorruption. We can throw off this tent and this carcass that we haul around and move again into eternity. We're still waiting for the fulfillment of that. He says there in verse 14, He who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Well, if all that's true, if that anticipation is there, if the reality and the hope of the seal and the guarantee is there and it's ours, and the, the, all that God has given us, that this, the, the richness of this inheritance, then how should we live because of that? How should you and I conduct our lives in this realm as we're awaiting these things? I'm going to give you three quick things. Number one, I believe that we need to live our lives with anxious anticipation. With anxious anticipation. Now, when I went to the airport, I had anxious anticipation. My wife was coming home. But you know, many times when you go and fly, if any of you have flown, uh, you, you go with that anxious anticipation. I'm going to be going, I'm going to go, get to go see my grandkids. A couple of weeks ago, I actually got to go see my wife while she was in Tennessee. So there was that anxious anticipation that's there. But we need to live our lives with that awake of the completion of all that God has done in the purchase and in the fulfillment of what He's doing. Peter tells us in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Therefore, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? This whole idea of the anxious anticipation, man, I, I'm living with that anticipation that He's coming soon. He's coming back soon. I want to live my life to His glory. I knew exactly when my wife was coming back, okay? I knew that she was flying in at 1110 on Delta Flight 1915. I knew exactly when that was going to happen. So, yesterday afternoon, I cleaned the house up, okay? So, I, I knew when she was coming. Now, if she said, hey, I'll, I'll come back sometime. I've got the key. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, then, you know what? I would have kept that house clean all the time. <laughs> How true it is for us. We don't know when the Lord's coming. Are we living our lives with that anxious anticipation that at any moment, at any day, that we might be here? Is our house clean? Is it ready? Are we prepared? The second thing, with a hopeful recognition. A hopeful recognition. Knowing that we are His possession. The fact that we are, we ourselves not only are His possession, but we have a great inheritance. It's ours in Christ. And the enemy will try and steal that from you. The enemy will try to beat you down. The world will try to suck that from you. But the thing is, we need to recognize who we are in Christ. 
And even as Paul says, hey, I know where you were, and as he goes on to, into Ephesians, particularly in chapter 3, he says, I know where you were. Oh, but God. And beloved, it's the but gods throughout Scripture that gives every one of us hope. And it ought to give us an excitement. It ought to give us that encouragement to be able to live our lives for His glory even now. He is working His plan out. And He's allowed us to be partakers of that heavenly calling. And we need to recognize that and we need to walk in it even now. And thirdly, we need to live our lives in reckless abandon. Reckless abandon. I want to be careful here because I know that it sounds kind of funny in this discussion to speak about reckless man. Well, I can live my life whatever way I want. No, that's not where I'm going. What I'm trying to say here, it's time for us to get out of the terminal and start flying. There are too many believers that live their entire Christian experience sitting in the terminal. Oh, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, look what God's doing there. Look what God's doing there. Oh, here they went. Oh, look what God, God's doing here and there. But all the time, they're sitting in the terminal themselves. We ought to be people who are willing to step out of our comfort zones, to be vessels usable by our Lord. Because we serve a God who's working out His purposes. He's working out His desires to use us for His glory. And I know that right now, some of you are saying, yeah, but not me. I know he'll use, oh, I can understand him using her or him, but probably not me. No, God wants to use each one of us for his glory, church. He wants every one of us to fly. I said jokingly earlier that if God intended for us to fly, he would have given us wings. You know what? He's given us spiritual wings as believers. That sealing, that anointing, that, that purposeful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, above all other people on the earth, ought to be living our lives as a life of walking in faith in every aspect. Most believers sitting at the terminal, living their lives in a safe zone instead of flying in the faith zone. Beloved, you'll never experience, you will never experience the fullness of God's powerful provision in your life and His leading in your life as long as you're in the safe zone, just sitting in the terminal. Part of what I enjoy about flying is the taking off and the landing. And that's the thing that fears most people. Just the rush of it. It's just like, wow, that's just a lot of power to shoot this thing up in the air. But you know what? You never experience it in the terminal. I remember as a kid, we used to go down over to Sky Harbor, and that's where you could go right up on top of the building and watch the planes go in. And how thrilling that was to see that. But, beloved, that's nothing like being there. And we can rejoice in how God is moving in their life, or his life, or her life. Don't you want to know God's move in your life that way? Don't be fearful of it. Don't, don't allow the enemy to steal that from you, to say that you're not worthy of it can't afford it. And don't be fearful of it. Because again, God is in control. Now I, I, I need to hasten on to 
to bring the fact, yes, we do need godly counsel in our lives. We need a confirmation from the Lord, from His Word and from His Spirit. We need to test to be certain that, that where we feel led is of the Lord, and it's not from our own deceitful hearts. I understand that and know it. Because again, the heart is deceitful and it's wicked, and, and it, suddenly we can be led by our heart and thinking that that's God, and that's why we need to get the input of other believers we need to, again, make sure that we are confirmed in, in God's Word on this. All of this in our lives, living our lives to the praise of His glory. If you're in Christ, you and I need to continually remember what Paul is speaking to us here. The importance of what these passages are. I posted, I believe, on the fact that, man... It's not so much about predestination as it is about the glory and the majesty of God. You and I need to understand what Paul is saying. And I want you to look with me one more time, really in closing, at these passages, these verses in verse 3 through 14. And I'm going to read them to you in a different version. It's not the message. It's not New International Version. It's called David's Version, okay? And I want you to look at this, not just to, as, as Paul writing to a church way back then, to another people of another culture. I want you to look at it as Paul writing these words to you, the Holy Spirit speaking these words to you. Because this is all that God is doing, the abundance of what God is doing in your life. If you are a believer, God is doing this in your life. Don't allow the enemy to block this from you. Or to keep it from you. Paul tells us under inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. In Christ. Chosen by Him before the very foundation of the world. And you have been called to be holy and without blame before Him in love. You've been adopted as sons and daughters of Almighty God by Jesus Christ. Because He desires us that we might live to the praise of the glory of His grace. Through that grace, He has made us acceptable in the Beloved. Because you see, it's in Him, in the Beloved, in Christ, that we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of all of our sins. God did all of that according to the riches of His grace. He lavished that grace upon us in all of His wisdom and in prudence. He even made known to us the mystery that salvation is for Jew and Gentile alike because of His good pleasure which He purposed and planned within Himself in order that on His precise time frame He might gather together in one all things, both which are in heaven and which are on earth together in Christ. And it was through faith in the death burial, and resurrection of Christ that we obtain this inheritance. We've obtained it for His purposes, for His perfect plan, for His will, that all should live to the praise of His glory. This all came about after we heard the gospel message. Then we trusted in the Word. We believed the promises by faith. And then we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, who is for us the guarantee of our inheritance 
until the completion of our redemption, and all of that to the praise of His glory. Beloved, that's ours in Christ. And you and I need to determine in our own hearts whether we're going to live our Christian experience sitting in the terminal or whether we're willing to step out and fly with the Lord Jesus Christ. Getting out of our safe zones, getting out of our comfort zones, and being willing to walk and live in that faith zone. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word teachings are always available to you free of charge, if you'd like to help support this ministry, simply log on to the website TheOpenWord.com and click on the support link to make a secure donation to this teaching ministry. Your donation can be set up as a one-time or regular scheduled tax-deductible gift. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.